0: Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses' employment and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. So running a virtual online business, a lot of times I feel like I'm from everywhere and nowhere. (laughs) Do you feel like you ever feel that way?
1: Well, yes. (laughs) And it came up for I do want to hear your story. It came up for me recently. And I, I think it's funny that you say that because I couldn't quite put into words what I was feeling. But it is that because I joined this. So I've published some chapters for a book and some people are reading it. And I've been getting readers from the people who are already following me on Instagram who are from everywhere. And someone suggested a local Kansas City writers group for me to join on Facebook. So I did. And they host like events throughout the year. Well, they have another one coming up next February. So nearly a year from now. And you can buy a table. You can buy an author table. And the idea is you buy this table and you tell people that you're going to be there. And then people come see you and you sign books and you meet them and you do all the things. And someone was like, are you going to do it? And I said, no, because like readers, are they're not from here. Like there's some from here, but they're like just my friends. (laughs) Like everyone else is from everywhere else. I don't have. That, no, no, that feels very weird because I don't know.
0: <laughs> I get it. There's very little that makes me feel tied to here. However, I am occasionally put back in my place and it makes it very clear I am from a small town in Kansas <laughs> huh. and I've just been thinking more than is probably normal about the fact that I bought half a cow. And (laughs) (laughs) it—that's not where I was expecting this to go. (laughs) You're right. My sister is married to a family of farmers, which is not weird because we grew up in a small town in Kansas. Mm -hmm. But that also means that there's a cow that like grazes. In Lansing for a year or more. I don't know how long cows graze. Don't don't quote me. I know some things. I'm from the city. Okay, I just know people that are farmers, and a cow grazes for a set amount of time, and then he goes to the butcher. And the fact that this family raised him locally, and now he's in my freezer. Just it. I'm like it is the most Kansas shit I have
1: ever said. And the fact that when I was on the phone with you yesterday or the day before, I hear that you just got eggs delivered. Yeah, and I did. My brain went to, you door, you door dash some scrambled
0: eggs. No, I did oh not door dash scrambled eggs. No. Someone who has chickens <laughs> brought eggs to our house. And I am just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Abigail. Which, by the way, is the most little house on the prairie name I could have. (laughs) Abigail, you are from the Midwest. Uh And I am put back in my place. And so the moment I think I'm just like this, you know, from everywhere and from nowhere, I am immediately brought back to Earth. And it is very clear that I am from the Midwest and have a lot of small town things that happen to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, obviously, I'm also from the Midwest, but I definitely feel like I grew up more in city, city. Like you did. Did not, did not at all. Don't know a farmer. Never been on a farm. Don't care about farms. No, like I mean, my best friend in high farmers, school. I care about farms. Do not mishear me. I love farms and farmers and support them. Oh my God. I go to a farmer's market. Yeah.
0: Not the same. Well,
1: <laughs> kind of. <laughs>
0: No, like my I'm best friend, buying meats from farmers. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like my best friend in high school, like she would like go work on her uncle's farm in the summertime and she'd harvest tomatoes by hand and stuff. And then my best friend in college, her parents are like actually farmers. Keep in mind, the closer to Kansas City you are, the more likely you are to be a family farm and not like right. a farm farm. Right. Like madeline's family harvests hundreds of thousands of acres yeah which is just completely yeah. different i harvest about a pint of cherry tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> well and they're not growing you don't grow the tomatoes in the middle of kansas you you grow things nope. like and corn and uh-huh but neither here nor there so did i you, am humbled did, did, often did you buy what? a deep freezer no, I don't need a deep freezer for half a cow. We got two freezers. We're good.
1: I just don't know. I, cows are pretty big. So I just didn't. I
0: don't know. When my sister delivers it, it is the equivalent
1: of a body bag full of yeah. meat. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Someone did bring me a spicy jalapeno deer sausage this week. So Ooh. I am basically a farmer and a, <laughs> I'm a hunter and a gatherer.
0: <laughs> oh no. no, I mean... I would still consider my brother-in-law's family farmers, but they're more retired farmers at this point. They originally had one of the biggest kin city dairies. And then, I don't know how much you guys know about farming history, but like... (laughs) Do you guys uh, know anything about farming history? (laughs) Dairy went through like, there was some money shit that went down. I don't know. Fifty years ago, sixty years ago, they shut down the dairy operation, and they were a tilapia farmer for a while.
1: <gasps> in and then Kansas, were,
0: <laughs> in Kansas, they were supplying all the tilapia to all the restaurants in Kansas City, and then they were doing hydroponic live herbs, and they had a pop in like live herb business. They were growing basil. Uh, yeah. If you guys ever had Callahan Farms, that's my family. Anyway, I'm done. being I, also basil. Weird. I grow basil every year <laughs> on my deck. It's delicious. I'm so proud of you. Well, if you ever want more tips, mm-hmm. my brother-in-law is literally the expert. So
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> expert <laughs> of basil. That's hilarious. Well, you'll have to let me know. I don't eat beef. So you have to let me know how that tastes. Oh, it's great. No complaints here. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Anytime I
1: think me. I'm just
0: like. So cool and from the city and can do business all over the world. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh
1: wait, right. humbled. Oh, right. I have a half a cow in my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a lot of cow.
0: It is. Normally we get a quarter or a third, but somehow we got talked into half a cow, which probably means we're not going to get another cow in a year. Probably means it'll be a year and a half or more before we yeah. can, yeah, take on more beef. Yeah, But also, I do think we plan to sell some of it.
1: Oh, sure.
0: Like, P.S. only to friends and family, because distributing people without a license is also a crime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get audited. (laughs) You're telling on yourself on this podcast. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, well, life is weird. Yeah, life is weird. Do you have any BP headquarter updates you want to share?
0: Yeah, so we have been doing some really incredible sales strategy intensives as of late. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with that process, it means we get to work one-on-one with a business owner and dive in behind the scenes to how your current services are set up, who you're selling to, at what price point you're selling. What the profit and loss has looked like over time. And we really help you pick apart what's working and how you could improve to either increase your capacity, increase your revenue, get yourself to the point that you can hire team members. It really depends on the individual. Joni recently came through, she has a really incredible business and she is coaching. And the cool part about her project that I really enjoyed was just how niche she is. I think oftentimes we have clients who come in and they're like, I think I should open it up. And I think I shouldn't be more broad. And almost every time I'm like, Ooh, no, I don't think you realize how deep your opportunity is here by staying so much more specific.
1: I walked a client through that just yesterday on a coaching call. She's kind of offering two different services. So she's like a home editor, organizer, and she also offers packing services. And she led with home editing services because those are beautiful to share they're like rainbow organized clear containers all the like actual home edit Marie Kondo level organization but her pack jobs are really really easy to sell and high high profit margins because you're not having to buy so many containers and go shopping and you don't need as big of a team and you can get through them a lot faster well she was kind of having some hesitation about leaning all into that yesterday and frustrated about how she feels like her website isn't speaking to what she wants to do, whatever. And so we talked for like 15, 20 minutes. I said, I just want to like, what could it look like if you just focus on pack jobs? And if your messaging was about pack jobs, and your content was about pack jobs, and that's the only offer that you had available, what could that look like? And just to see her face kind of like, Oh, like imagine what it could be to kind of niche down, even when she was already pretty niche, like let's niche down a little further. And what are those opportunities that open up for you?
0: Yeah. I love digging into what is your best opportunity and what is the tweak that's just like right on the surface right there.
1: It's right there. <laughs>
0: right there. And it's so cool when we see clients like immediately make changes yep. and start to see progress right away. Like it's very consistent. that The ROI is right around the corner. So if you're interested in what it would look like to either work with us one-on-one inside the sales strategy intensive or work with us in a group setting, but explore a lot of those same topics inside the incubator, definitely reach out. You can go to bossproject.com slash waitlist and show what you're interested in. And we'll have mm-hmm. a one-on-one conversation and figure out what's right for you.
1: Yay. Okay. Well, today I want to talk about Pricing. But pricing in a little bit different way than we've maybe had this discussion before, because you all know I get super passionate about pricing. We've talked about it a lot on this show. The conversation of pricing is quite literally what started my business in the education space and mentorship and coaching space. My very first program was called Pricing for Profit. It was for photographers. I met Abby. She added her tweaks to it. we since opened it up to money-making creatives. We've been talking about pricing for creative small business owners since the beginning of time. This is our happy place. <laughs> and we have a new version of the conversation today, and I'm really excited. The market is a little bit odd right now. The market is a little bit weird. And so in the conversation where we've been having with our clients about should you pivot or should you start over, our kind of pushback to that is, you know, we're team pivot nine times out of 10, but part of that pivot is really making sure that your offer is in alignment with the market, where it is right now, with meeting your clients or your prospects where they're at right now. And so I want to have the discussion about what it takes to close different kinds of clients at different price points. And you've been doing this in all of your discovery and sales pitches for weeks. So I'm sure you have some nuggets to share with us today. Oh,
0: I do. I do. And before we get into like how to close at different price points, because it does change. It is very different if you're at a lower end offer versus a much more premium package. However, I think the thing to keep in mind is what even makes sense for you. and. Part of determining that is truly looking at your capacity first. And that's a huge part of what we focus on inside our one-on-one time, inside of our group programs. We want to see you be successful. And so understanding your capacity is a big part of that. But some of it isn't just time-related because sometimes, yes... You could theoretically handle more clients who take less time and you have the processes in place and all of the things, but mentally things change and things are adjusted for you as the business owner, the more clients you're serving at any given time. And we did a previous episode on selling in a retainer versus selling one-time projects and I do think part of this discussion is ultimately determined by which of those you're going after because if you're saying oh I'm doing one-time projects well also choosing a lower price point that's a big challenge because that just means the volume you have to sell goes up so much but you getting clear on what you can handle and I think early on this wasn't something Emily and I ever discussed, it was just sort of understood. <laughs> like <laughs> It was a telepathic
1: conversation, possibly.
0: Well, but like, I very vividly remember being like, we would just slow down on the sales conversations we were having. So it's like, well, if it's just the two of us, and there's literally no one else, yeah, we can probably handle what, two or three clients at a time. Yeah. Now granted, they were large scale projects, but still, And now it depends on what offer you're talking about. You know, if you're talking on the studio side, we get much past five and we look at each other like, whoa, that's a lot. Uh (laughs) uh But you are going to have your own number that like in your brain you can sort out. And you can keep a track of because that is going to determine ultimately a lot of what you do, because I don't want you to make a choice and be like, well, mentally, I can only handle this. But based on the price, I have to have a number that's
1: above what I can handle. Yeah. Well, and the further backwards that I want you guys to go and make sure you're assessing as well is, okay, maybe you feel comfortable with a little bit higher number of clients that you're working with. Are you comfortable with how many leads you would need to bring in in order to land that many clients? Are you comfortable having that many discovery calls? Are you comfortable having that many pitch calls? And if you don't work it backwards all the way to how many leads you need and really assess, is that something that's in your wheelhouse that you're comfortable doing, that you have the capacity mentally and time-wise to do all of those things? Because sometimes you're going to have to be doing all of those things at the same time talking to leads, and working with that amount of clients and having the discovery calls. And so you've got to assess all of the factors.
0: Yeah. That being said, there are still advantages of lower price. Absolutely. For me, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, but for me, when I'm in a season of feeling... A bit burnout, or like I've been giving a lot of myself away. A lower price to offer typically means there's less strategy involved. It's more rhythmic, it's more process oriented. It could potentially mean, as the business owner, I'm delivering a very small percentage or potentially even none of the service. And I have a team of people in place to deliver it for me. It could mean I'm selling it only and not on the fulfillment side. There are advantages to that. It also, the client attitude changes. Their expectations are typically different. Now, I will say there's a spectrum here because you can go too low. And now all of a sudden you have clients that are kind of needy. (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. and they, they're they expecting a lot more than what was even agreed to or what the deliverables were set in place. And, and you got to have a really clear scope. Yep. Well, also, what right now,
1: like I've seen so many clients go through this phase of they were undercharging. They were working with a lot of clients and we worked through them to make sure that what they were actually delivering was priced appropriately, how much time it took them to deliver it was priced appropriately, et cetera. And they were able to let go of some of those needy clients, the ones they didn't enjoy working with, raised the prices of the ones that they decided to keep, and then only brought on new clients who were at that price point or even higher. And sometimes it takes, you know, 30 days, 45, 60 days to, to fully get on the other side of that in some contracts, get some new people in the door. But the amount like of excitement that those clients have now to, Provide a bigger impact, go deeper with those clients that they are working with, like really, really understand like when you're able to raise your price so that you can be intentional about who you're working with, you get excited about showing up to work again.
0: after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's monarchmone dot strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted, third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out the job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right positions And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, yeah. Part of that is just being priced appropriately in general. Like if, yeah. as long as you're priced appropriately for what you're delivering... You can yeah. overdeliver deliver.
1: because <laughs> we say lower price, but not cheap, and not like you still need to be priced appropriately.
0: There's there, just, there's something like, to be ROI there. Right, there still needs right. to be a return. We're not saying you should be losing money or that no. this should be a break even offer. Like you still no. need
1: to have there are some opportunities. <laughs> yeah, there are some industries of clients that we work with who low end for them is like 30 grand. Because a high end project for them is like 90 plus. And so like, truly, it depends on your industry, because some clients, a low end for them might be $2,000 or $5,000. And there's everything in between. So there is no if you're looking for a magic number of like, okay, well, what's the low end, the medium range and high range, it depends on your industry.
0: It depends on your industry. It depends on your clientele. And and what what clients, looks like for them.
1: Yeah, we've had clients who offer the same service to business owners, like small business owners. And then they offer that service to corporate people who like a manager or HR will hire them and they'll come in and do like the same thing that they kind of do one-on-one over here, but in a group setting, it's the same actual service. It's delivered in a slightly different way, but you can charge so much more for corporate clients, especially because you're typically working with more and more employees within that team than you are one-on-one in a business. It's the same thing, priced differently because your client is different.
0: Hmm. Some of you may make adjustments to what you're selling or who you're selling to based mm-hmm. on what that price means for that particular clientele. yeah. But for me, the biggest advantage of lower price is generally the fact that it's more systematic. It's more productized. It's more yeah. predictable in general. Yeah. I feel like for me, the advantages of a higher or a premium price offer is that when you get there, you can make more customizations for that client. You can take a base offer and riff off of it and say, I'm going to do this for you, but I wouldn't do that for another client. And it's because there's room and because you know, you're going to be dedicating more time to that client that you have room to make those changes and room to make those adjustments. Also when you're working with so many less people your headspace is just different. And so you may be able to strategize on a different level or provide more attention. And I've seen some of our clients, they're even to the point where they can focus on one client at a time. And when you're focused on one client at a time, the way you're able to deliver and really work through these problems can be so
1: cool and so powerful. Yeah. So I want to talk about how the price point changes your selling process and the conversations that you're having when you pitch, how you pitch, what all is impacted depending on price range.
0: Well, the lower the price, the more systematic the selling process needs to be. I personally still enjoy a discovery call and sales call method. However, the lower the price, the more likely I am to not split it into two calls. I may all of a sudden go from two calls to one call where the first five minutes are kind of discovery. And then I move into talking about the service and in talking about the service, I may still have a pitch deck or a PDF I'm pulling up that explains the service. But because of the size of the offer and the fact that it is so much more systematic, I'm not customizing the pitch for them. I'm talking about our process. Like This is a solid process they are becoming a part of. And it means a lot less customization during the sales process in general and the follow-up. I think you could really amp up what it looks like in terms of staying in touch with someone you've already talked to about that service, nurturing the outreach that just continues after the fact, if they don't book right away, I think there's so much opportunity to really systematically go after a group of people because theoretically they would be experiencing very, very, very similar problems Mm -hmm. and you could talk to the group and it would still feel individualized. However, the higher price you get, the more nuanced the project and thus the expectations of the sales process are different too. And so, you know, I wouldn't, even though sometimes I already know what I'm going to pitch five minutes in a discovery call from an experience standpoint, it still makes sense for me to say things like. I want to take some time to digest what we talked about today and come up with a customized plan just for you. Like, what's your schedule look like later this week? So we can discuss that plan. And all of a sudden, even if I could in five minutes, yeah. prep the pitch for the next call, I can treat that client or prospect with this much more like premium experience attitude that
1: feels more custom to them. And that's an alignment with the price point that you're ultimately going to be showcasing to them. And the reason why it could take you five minutes to get that together is because you've been intentional about creating the system that backs you up in order to do that. This isn't about creating a proposal or a pitch from scratch every time. We're utilizing templates that are custom for offers But we like to call our templates kind of like Mad Lib style. And so no matter if it's a full pitch deck or proposal or whatever it might be, the base is there and the base remains the same. But some elements of the scope might change depending on this particular client. Some of the goals or metrics that we're going to measure or call out might change. Obviously, the title of this presentation or proposal is going to change maybe we pull out some stats that are related to that industry or their goals or their business to really highlight the importance of what it is that we want to work with them on. And those changes can be made pretty quickly because you've created a system to do that.
0: Yeah. I'm also more likely to research in advance of a pitch either about their industry or about their business specifically, the lower end the offer the less time I even have to give during the sales process. And because the ROI, like there's still an ROI, but it's just like the sales process needs to take less time for a lower end offer. It
1: just needs to. Well, and guys, like, I want to make sure that you're hearing like, The sales process needs to, it has to take less time for that price point, not because that client deserves less of our attention or deserves less of an experience. Being mindful of your pricing and your capacity and your time is quite literally one of the most, if not the most important things you can do as the founder of your company. It sets you up for success And prevents burnout. It keeps your capacity in mind. And especially if you have a team, you honoring those boundaries and understanding how much time you are like, quote unquote, allowed to give certain aspects shows your team that they can have those same boundaries. And there is no world of sustainability where you're able to treat every client at every price point the exact same.
0: No, you're just not. This is a conversation of equity versus equality. Yep. Yes. Yes. We're not having the same conversation. If you're going to pay me $500 or $50,000, we're just not. We're not. <laughs> and that's okay. It's yeah. not disrespectful. It's nope. not, I could insert a million other adjectives here, yep. but like you also have to be taking care of you and your team. And yep. so me acknowledging that, the sales process can be more elaborate the higher the pitch that's a huge part of it i know in the last year emily and i did i want to say an 80,000 dollar pitch mm-hmm. and not only was the pitch deck completely custom to that individual and and we spent hours preparing the pitch deck yep. researching yes. all of the things but we also drove an hour to be in person for the pitch, we, we, brought <laughs> we nurtured that experience mm-hmm. and like made it feel like a premium experience. And the follow up continues to be a part of that conversation. And oh, in this specific instance, the client didn't ultimately book. I can tell you the respect I have from this person because of how I treated even the sales process is immense. Like she has shown up for me in my personal life to support me in other ways and to give back to me in other ways that if I had treated that situation, the same as a $500 potential client, it would just not have resulted in the same thing. And so
1: something would have felt lacking because we all knew we were there in the room to learn about a bigger project.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the same is true for the follow-up. Like I'm saying, at the lower price point, for some of it, depending on how one on one your sales process looks, you may be DMing on Instagram or be writing a quick email, but it's typically going to be short, concise, mm-hmm. and you're only going to do it a couple of times versus at a higher price point. I'm well aware that the time to conversion could be a lot longer. Yep. Yep. And for something over a certain threshold and it's different for every industry mm-hmm. over a certain threshold I could expect something to take 30 60 or 90 days to convert versus at this like medium point if it takes more than 30 like that's probably, a probably not happening. Mm-hmm. like two like it's not just about the will they convert but if they convert too late
1: mm-hmm.
0: like that would be a concern for how they might behave later
1: yep the amount of red flags of a not ideal client for us that you're able to see in the pitch, in the discovery and pitch and selling process and follow through is immense. And so it's your job to pay attention to those based on how people are asking questions, how they're responding, how long they take, like, how is that process moving? And sometimes you can see red flags and still intentionally decide to ignore them. We've definitely done that before. You just have to know what you're getting yourself into. But the more that you do this, the more clear those are going to be, And can you create some communications or some systems to help like mitigate some of those red flags? Absolutely. But you'll begin to like, like literally when we first started chatting today, you brought up something that happened that you were messaged from a prospect. You were going to have a discovery call and something happened and something was communicated and immediately I go, Oh, red flag. And you were like, yep. I don't even know if I want to have that discovery call now because of how red flag leading up to it has been. Yeah. Because your time is important and you know how much your time costs. So why would you give your time to something, you know, isn't in alignment with our values?
0: Mm -hmm. It all comes back to values. It (laughs) It really does. But also like, I think the point that I do think is worth making, regardless of what price point you're selling at, y'all are not accounting for the time it takes in the sales process at all. Nope. Y'all are thinking only about what it takes to deliver the project. And almost always you're thinking about it in a vacuum of everything goes perfectly. (laughs) Like, and it doesn't like people get sick. People have family emergencies. Yep. Like the world has shit hit the fan. Like things will happen that will slow you down. and. You're only thinking about it after they sign and pay. And at the end of the day, you do need to know how many leads you need and at what price point you need to be selling so that you can hit your goals. And if any of those things are out of alignment, if like, you're like, well, I can never get past X amount, not never, but like, (laughs) right. I've been consistently getting X amount of leads. Okay. Well, if you know your close rate, then you know what you need to be selling at, or you're not going to hit your financial goals. And I think that can be frustrating for people because they're like, I don't want to change what I'm offering because my leads are down. And it's like,
1: you might need to, but you might need to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you have to take into consideration The ebbs and the flows of the market, the response rate, your conversion rate, your price points, your delivery, your capacity. Do you have a team of support right now that helps you? Do you not have your leads all come from, you know, this was a big problem in like 2021, 2022. Some of our clients, a lot of their leads came from networking events and then events stopped happening, like in-person events stopped happening. So a lot of people were like, well shit. (laughs) Like that was how I was getting in front of people. And that was, I need to figure something else out. And so you have to be mindful of the funnel, the faucet, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And this isn't about this like overly sexified, automated anything. I don't care if every piece of your sales process is manual. You still have to know what numbers you need to make it all make sense. I don't care if you're talking to five people a month and you're trying to land one client. That's right. fine. Yep. But what do you need to be selling? Yep. Like at what price point do you need to be selling for that all to make sense? Yep. And how
1: many leads do you need to get to talking to five people?
0: Right. It's just, mm-hmm. it's all interchangeable and it can all change. And the, the part I think I'll leave you with this is that while there are advantages of higher price and advantages of lower price and differences, you would change in the sales process. Mm-hmm. Given the feedback you're getting, you may have to adjust these things. Yep, yep. Way more frequently than you are. Yep.
1: Mid year, <laughs> mid month, mid goal.
0: <laughs> mid yes, and I've seen people stay. Uh, I tell you one more story and then I'm done. (laughs) I was talking to a million-dollar-plus business owner. She's done millions in the last five years, but she's over a million a year at this point. And she was talking to me about one of her offers. And she had said, I'm going to offer at a lower price point this thing. But if I don't get X number of people, then I'm not going to move forward. I'm going to end up refunding I said, great. I love that for you. How's it going? And she was like, well, the response has been low and I've only got a couple in. And, but then she started talking about like doubling down on it. Like, I'm going to just double down and like make it work. And I'm like, you already told me Mm -hmm. what it needed to be doing for it to make sense for you more long term. And it's not doing that. It's not doing that. So, like, we're not in a position. Regardless of the scale of your business, where mm-hmm. you double down on things that aren't working the way they need to be working. Yep. If you need to make changes, you need to make changes. I don't care if you just made changes last week. If it's still not working, you got to keep testing things. And part of that is knowing and understanding how you're going to adjust the conversation and adjust the process based on what you're
1: selling and at what price point. Well, it's time to get curious. And I mean, if you remember what we were doing or even our first year of business and what I did even before I developed my first program, I had people raise their hands to say, would something like this interest you? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, great, let's hop on a, I think at that point it was Google Hangouts. I was like, let's hop on a hangout and I'm going to ask you a shit ton of questions about it. So I can make sure I know what you need at what price point you would pay the outcomes that you would hope to achieve. And I'm going to put that into like my own formula, my own, you know, Willy Wonka candy machine and figure out what do I actually need to put in front of you that I feel like you're going to say yes to that's also in alignment with my goals. And I think we just we stop doing that as we grow as business owners. And so get back onto the ground floor and see what your prospects are actually asking for. If you want help refining your offer trying to make some pivots and some tweaks to make sure that it is priced right and it is talking to the right person. Or if you want some help doing that research in your current audience and the deep dive analytics as to what you are bringing to the table already, and then presenting it in a way that actually, okay, you know the numbers, but what do they mean? What are they telling you? We're like really good at that. (laughs) So slide into our DMs over on Instagram at Boss Project or head to bossproject.com slash waitlist And just book a time with Abby and let's chit chat about what we can make happen for you.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.